This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You are listening to the 4000 Holes Podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at The Terrace. Hello and welcome to another edition of the What Now podcast here on the 4000 Halls Podcast Network. I am Roger Whitesett, your host, joined this week by my usual guests, Ian, Matt and James, and a special guest, Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Uh, nice to have you on the show. Hi, Roger. Good to be here. Uh, great to have you. We're going to have our usual style of show uh, split into three different sections. Section one, we're going to be talking about yesterday's match against Luton Town. Section two, going to be looking ahead to the final game of the season away at the Den facing Millwall and the playoff implications therein. And section three, seeing as the season has come to an end, or at least the league, regular league season has come to an end at Ewood Park. I'm going to be asking the panel, what are your Ewood memories of 2022-2023? Namely, what will be the moment or event or game or match or goal that you will remember in years to come from the season just gone? So let's get straight ahead with it. I'll come to Ian, our regular contributor. Ian, Luton Town won, Blackman Rovers won yesterday at Ewood Park. Hayden Carter's 86-minute had a rescue and a point for Rovers. What were your thoughts on the game? My, my, my thoughts immediately before the header went in was, well, at least I don't have to fret about this season anymore. Thank goodness. I've got some blessed relief. I can just let next Monday watch over me. And then Hayden goes and does what Hayden did. And you think, it's the hope, isn't it? We're now, that's that Warner Brothers cartoon where you saw that fingernails on the edge of the cliff. And, and <laughs> why are the coyotes hanging on and Roadrunner comes along and he's just flicking back the fingers one by one so inevitably you fall down. Um, we, I thought we were quite good in the first half. I thought we were quite bright. Best chances fell to our defenders though, didn't they? Pickering and Ranking Costello in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, the goal came from another defender. So I think that tells its own story. Uh, a draw was probably as much as we deserved overall because I thought we were really rancid in the second half. I thought we were really quite poor and we just seemed to have given up the ghost, but that last 10 minutes stirred everyone up a little bit. So the the hope remains. It's it's dim and distant, but uh, oh, we'll get into it in more detail, I'm sure. But crack it. It was just a microcosm of our season as a whole, I think. 
Yeah, hit the nail on the head in many points there. Matt, coming to you next, you, you've seen a lot of Luton this year. You're a championship uh, podcaster. You've also got your own podcast alongside the 4,000 Hall podcast. I said to my dad at halftime, I said, wow, uh, the, I'm surprised these are the third best team in the league. And yet that second half, we really did see Luton sort of step it up a bit. And for 20 minutes, it felt like Rovers couldn't live with them. What was your assessment of Luton and, and how Rovers coped? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I like a lot of things about Luton. Um, and and seeing them where they are is no surprise, but I also quite like to see them there as well because they're different. They're, they're doing it differently to everybody else in the championship. Um, I don't think yesterday was a full representation of how they've got there because obviously they've they're already third before the game even kicked off. Um, but yeah, they've got a good manager. They've got a good you know they've got a good core group of players. They've got a ground with character. Um, and I don't think we saw much much of what. Luton have to offer yesterday. Um, they're they're a good side, and I think in the second half, more than the first half, we we saw maybe a bit more of what they can do. But they just yeah, they're they're a good side, and I think you look at the teams that we've played recently and the teams that are up there, um, and they're they're all sort of a similar level. So the playoffs I think will be quite exciting, whether we're in them or not. Um, but yeah, I mean. One one player yesterday for Luton, which which really stuck out for me, and it was um it was really weird seeing him play so well, and that was Amari Bell. I mean, that he's, he's a different different player now. I don't know what they've done, what he's done at Luton, but I mean it's working for him, and he, he played well yesterday. He he seemed to have a lot of confidence, which we I don't think we ever saw in a Rovers shirt. So maybe that was that was the key behind Amari Bell's full potential. But yeah, I mean, Luton, it was it felt to me like a preseason game. And it shouldn't have done really, given what was on the line for us. It felt to me, I mean, Luton was such a physical side anyway, in terms of uh, they, they did very well with the the early sort of nudges in the back and a little bit of gamesmanship. Catherine, come to you next. Uh, Adebayo, Bradley, Morris, Nakamba, Lockyer. There's massive man mountains of men. You must have felt sorry for uh, poor old Tyrese Dolan up there. <laughs> Plowing a lone furrow, five foot four or five foot six on a good day. It's, it's, did, did Dolan was one of those that perhaps came under a bit of criticism? Was it men against yeah. boys? Yeah, they were they were skittled, weren't they? Really, the um, just the physicality, and I'm not saying they were they were brutish. It wasn't kind of just a, a complete physical game, but we were we, we did just look really lightweight yesterday. The mm-hmm. like you know, Luton had had the ready break, hadn't they, before they'd set off, but. <laughs> I was kind of, I kind of brought it down to three W's when I was watching it yesterday. I was like, there's like a weight thing. They just seemed bigger and more physically up for it. And we went down far too easily. There was a wavelength issue. I used the um, the analogy before we, before we started recording, Roger, to say, you know, it was like, it was as though we were, we were, we were, Excel or Microsoft Office that had been loaded onto a Mac and it wasn't quite compatible. There was just something not right. We weren't we weren't on the same wavelength at all. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the final thing was the want. It was like this isn't this isn't a, a, a team that potentially has playoffs in their own destiny. It was kind of almost heads down, what have we got to play for? And my um my viewing companion last night said to me as they went in at half time, he said, all their manager is going to have to say to them for the halftime team talk is, guys, give an extra 10%. You've got this. You've absolutely got this nailed. Mm-hmm. And they came out and and that was, you know, what they scored within like within the first 
10 minutes of the second yeah. half yeah. and it was it just seemed inevitable <clears throat> James, uh, saying all this, and uh, again, I completely agree, Catherine, with that, but uh, Rovers actually scored from a corner, of all things. And not only did Rovers score from a corner, but a corner that was actually whipped into a dangerous area. And lo and behold, your centre-half comes forward and heads one in on the six-yard box. You must have been pleased with Carter's performance, James. I know you've championed him for a long time now. Uh, Yeah, I was really pleased. I thought he did a really good job of keeping, keeping Morris and... I forgot what the other players called. Adebayo. Adebayo. Uh, did a really good job of keeping them quiet and he's just towered above everyone else and put in a really good header into the net. Um, I was actually quite impressed that we beat the first man. It's a, it's a rarity of this <laughs> season. Um, so that was promising. Um, but I agree with everyone else's point. It, was just, it just felt a bit flat. What would the uh, atmosphere have been like had that Smodic's effort gone in, James? Well... I celebrated a bit too much with Carter's goal and I ended up twisting my ankle. So oh, no. I think I would have thrown myself down the road if that volley from Schmodix went in. I've only just recovered from that. It was heartbreaking. So it was Klopp injured for berating a fourth official and James Marsh injured on a celebration. Yeah, my, my, my ankle is suffering today, I must admit. Are you going to be fit for Millwall at the weekend? Uh, I'm not going to Millwall. Um, I, can't, I can't afford it, unfortunately, but I will be watching it at home. Um, I might run around my house if we get somehow get in. Well, we'll come on to that. Catherine, just come back to you. Smodix, that moment, it never seems to happen for Rovers, or it doesn't seem to happen this season. Uh, what was your vantage point and uh, how, how close were you to rolling an ankle? Oh, I was I was close to launching myself and falling off the top tier of the Jack Walker stand. Um, <laughs> I was so high up. Um, it, was, it was one of those moments. And again, it was this never happens for us why has that not gone in and we we were we were yeah head in hands and it felt like if it was going to happen that would have been it but I I can't remember the last time that there was that kind of last minute adulation with something with Rovers I really can't and um it was it was cruel because he hit it so well and it was just typical wasn't it kind of last I was looking at the clock and I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's going to be four minutes injury time. It's going to be there or thereabouts. And when that when that moment happened, uh, yeah, it, it felt like that was it. So That's close. it now. Yeah. yeah. I think um, to give Smodic some credit, he did do everything he could with the ball. I think he said to the press afterwards that it kind of was behind him a little bit, but he made some great contacts. And I don't think he could have hit it any better. No. Uh, but uh, uh, big shout out, actually, while I was talking about Sammy Smodic, to his daughter who came on at the end for the uh, lap of honour and was so cute running around chasing a football all the way around here. That was good to see. It's always nice to see the families after the uh, the match, I, I think. Uh, Matt, just come to you um, on the way back round. A couple of players who perhaps didn't really hit the heights of the Burnley game yesterday, one being Adam Wharton. I know maybe not a bad thing that the Rovers fans perhaps should remember that he's only 19 and his performances will be a bit up, be a bit up and down. Do you think he kind of went a bit missing yesterday? Yeah, I think, I think you've hit it, hit the nail on the head there. I think it was, it was a polite reminder that he is, you know, he's, he's played what, 16, 17 games this season mm-hmm. in his career. So in his professional career, I think it was, yeah, it was a reminder just just for the Rovers fans just to sort of understand that he is coming through because, yeah, I was thinking at half-time, I thought we've played all right in this first half, but we've not seen the Adam Wharton that I've seen this season. And yeah, he, he, yeah, you're right. I think he was, it wasn't his best performance in a Rovers shirt, but I don't think he played badly. 
either. I don't think he he, he had a, a bad performance. I wouldn't say that, but yeah, he wasn't as uh, as sort of dominant uh, in in the game as you'd like to you'd like to see or you'd think either for him. No, like I said, I think we've just got to put the uh, push the brakes on him or push the brakes on him. But just remember, he's a young uh, young man still making his way in in football. And finally, Ian, just come back to you. Uh, do we ever beat Luton? Have we ever beaten Luton? Can we ever beat Luton? It seems like they're one of those teams that if they do go up to the Premier League, I almost won't be uh, <laughs> won't be too bad. Uh, yeah, too sad to see. My only recollection of us beating Luton was in the FA Cup. Um, yeah, so the, was it the Chris Samba's debut and Matt debut, Derbyshire yeah. pinged one in and Morgan well, Gomst pinged one Rose in. Others famously have never won a league match at Kenilworth Road, mm. haven't they? So maybe getting rid of Luton and Wigan, who we can't seem to be either of those two teams. Yeah, I'm, so not, I'm, Wigan... I'm not sorry to see Wigan drop down. Nothing, yeah, not not the usual vitriol and animosity, but just we never seem to beat them. So no, they, they can go, they can do one. But yeah, yeah, we're, we're still theoretically looking at all these games in the Premier League, aren't we, next year? So until well, next we, Monday. We we'll come on, on to, to that, that. though, I'm sure, yes. Just to, to finish this off, I, uh, I have a friend of mine who uh, lives in Warrington, a friend from a university who comes to uh, the Rovers games. And uh, I went to see him and his dad at halftime. And he his analogy was, it was tr- uh, particularly for the the attack being so blunt in that first half. He said, it's like trying to eat a steak with a spoon, which I thought was another one of those good ones. Uh, any analogy that fits that bill, really. Catherine? I saw a good one on Facebook today. It's a malapropism. And... Um, I'm in a bit of an argument with someone whether it's it was spell check that's done it or whether they've actually got it wrong on just because they don't know. But it was referred to as a damp squid. Damp squid. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, well, we'll move on to section two uh, in a minute after these messages. Welcome back to the 4,000 Holes podcast, part two here. We're going to be talking about the upcoming Millwall game. And lo and behold, we can still make the playoffs. Matt, I'll come to you first for this one. Let's not beat about the bush and let's not get into the permutations just yet. Rovers have to win at Millwall. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the games we've had recently and the amount of times I've I've looked at the fixtures and I thought it's a tough game but we can win it but Millwall away at the 10 for either team to get the playoffs I mean you don't you don't get much much bigger than that really it'll be one of the it'll be I think Rovers fans it's been on Twitter before every game this is our biggest game in recent history before every game and 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 <laughs> it's that again I suppose I think it's a tough place to go. Everybody knows that, and they're a good team. We're having a good season, but but they are beatable, and they are beatable there because they've been beaten there this season. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think we can do it. Um, but whether whether the other things we need to to go our way will go our way or not, I'm not too sure to be honest. Any sort of particular players that uh, Rose fans should be looking out for with uh, Millwall? I know some of the names that flash up: your Tom Bradshaws, your Zian Flemings. Yeah, I mean, the the for me anyway, my view on Millwall is they're very much a team. They're 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 all all eleven players are well drilled and they're all of a all of a similar level. And there's not really many sort of standout players that you could even maybe argue they're a one man team over or, or something like that. But yeah, I think I think Bradshaw he seems to be doing all right again. He's he's always seems to he seems to score a few goals every season. So I think. Um, we'll have to maybe cart or have to put him in his pocket, but I'm sure it's something that we can do and that, that they've definitely been working on in training, that's for sure. 
I don't know whether you saw the game at Blackpool, James, on Friday night. I caught sort of most of the second half and felt Blackpool actually give them quite a good game. Uh, so definitely, <laughs> to coin a phrase from this podcast, and uh, Ian, you mentioned it, eminently winnable. I- I'd certainly put it in that bracket. Can we go to Millwall and win? Are you confident, James? Are you confident that Rovers will finally break the eight-game run without a victory and 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 get something from the den? Don't know. It's a sh- it's a short answer. I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm really not sure. I think it depends. For me, I know I know he's not the greatest, but I think it depends if Gallagher's fit. Um, if he is, that gives us a vocal point up front, and he's up again. He'll be up against Cooper and Hutchinson, who are mountains mm-hmm. with defenders. So, yeah, I I don't I don't know. I think the way our looks been lately, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen for us. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm 50-50, but come match day, I'll be 100% confident that we're going to get in sixth and we're going to win the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, I know you've got some of the recent fixtures between the two clubs in front of you there looking at it. From my memory, Rovers actually don't have that bad a record at the Den in recent years. Is that right? We've won some games there. I mean, right at the moment, right now, we're struggling to beat teams anywhere aren't we um i'm I'm looking i'm looking back in particular to the one that was last day of the season in may 1988 uh, because i I was listening to i think it was the times football podcast earlier this week or last week and tony cascarino referenced this game as a game where somebody was talking about do do players are players on the beach do they switch off when mm-hmm. the achievement is won, <laughs> so I say, well, I remember playing the last game of the season against Blackburn Rovers, yeah, and we've been out, <laughs> we've been out on the source for about forty-eight <laughs> hours prior to the game, and Rovers won four-one. And I think there's there's some footage on YouTube at the end of the game of Millwall fans like surging towards Rovers fans, and people that went talk about yeah the the just sense of impending doom, yeah. and then everyone started clapping and cheering because they got what they wanted out of it. We've got a win out of it. And you know, everybody was happy. One of those rare occasions when you come away from from Millwall having hammered them and not feel physically threatened. Um, and I think it's I think it's going to be really really tough. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't won for eight games. Uh, Millwall need a win. Uh, it, that might serve as well because they'll they'll have to come out and it might leave space. All things are possible, but I think I would echo what James said. I'm I'm not, I'm not expecting it. The thing that worries me is Sunderland going to Deepdale and hammering Preston. Because again, I'm old enough to remember us relying on Preston to try and do us a favour to go up uh, when they were at home to sw- to I think they said Swansea. Swindon then to Swansea uh, in the was it 1979 1980 <clears throat> um, and that that was that just didn't work um, so I'm not expecting them to do any favours there West Brom are capable of, of beating anybody on the day I, I yeah my expectations are extremely low I think that's predicated on the results that we've had recently from the injuries that we're carrying. So, yeah, we, we, we have a, a decent record at the Den. Uh, so there is that precedent of the final day game, but precedents mean nothing. It's mm. all about what happens from 3 o'clock on Monday, isn't it? Catherine, I'm sure the irony is not lost on you that uh, a certain Mr Mowbray will be heading to the northwest on Monday to uh, Sunderland face Preston. If Rovers don't make it, is there any preference on on who does in terms of Millwall, Sunderland or West Brom? I think I'd prefer Millwall. Millwall. Yeah, just, just, just for seeing if they can do it. I'd love to see them in the Premier League. 
they'd be, <laughs> but I think going, looking at it, it's in their hands and they go on off the bounce off the back of the Blackpool result. They've had a couple of wins in the last six. They've got results against, you know, some of the teams that we've, we've struggled against. Um, so I, I think it will be really difficult. And I'm the eternal optimist. I'm usually so optimistic, mm-hmm. but I feel like the, the, my, my balloon was burst last night in terms of my, the last bit of optimism that was that was in my body about it. I just and that was more from players' body language more than anything else. So I'd 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 be surprised, but you never know that it, it could be that whole. Well, you know, we've got nothing to lose now, and we haven't got this pressure on us. Who knows what that altered mindset might do? Who knows? Who knows? Well, if I've been running the maths today, I've got my abacus out at work talking about trying to think about all the permutations, which I think is a word that you only seem to hear this time of the year. Uh, you never hear this sort of permutations. It doesn't come out at Christmas. It always comes out in the first week in May. Now, Rovers have to win. We've said that before. But if Sunderland draw and West Brom draw, or Sunderland lose and West Brom lose, obviously that's good enough for Rovers to actually get in. Now, Preston beat Sunderland, sorry, Preston beat Middlesbrough last year when Middlesbrough, all they had to do was go and win at Deepdale. And uh, Preston actually beat them 4-1 in that game. So it's recent history that Preston have actually got the capability to upset the Apple cart somewhat against a team from the northeast so who knows that may be uh, not too much of a stretch of imagination and of course Swansea who've been in brilliant form recently and actually have made a push from absolute nowhere to maybe even sneak into the playoffs uh, until the run kind of faltered with a couple of draws recently but they're on a great run and the, the Liberty Stadium or the Swansea University Stadium or whatever it's called these days that's not an easy place to go so i suppose the nightmare scenario scenario what i'm getting to is that if sunderland and west brom don't pick up the victories and rovers then let themselves down or a 90th minute equalizer or something then <laughs> dare i say it could actually get worse but let, let's keep positive and let's say that rovers can do it there's a better than zero chance I don't know what percentage you want to put on it. I have actually looked online at some bookmakers. Now, I'm never going to be one to advocate gambling, but uh, on Bet365, Blackburn Rovers are 7-1 to to make the top six. And I also ran another little algorithm, which is if you back Rovers to win and Preston to win or draw and Swansea to win or draw, which is essentially what we need for Rovers to get in the top six, you can get odds of 10 to 1. So uh, although I'll borrow a phrase from what my dad would have to say, which is uh, 7 to 1, that means that if you put £10 on Rovers to win, you lose ten pounds. Do you? Just, yeah, just the, the bookmakers' analogy is: look how many windows there are taking money in, and there's yes. only ever one window paying out. I think that that's the crux. <laughs> <laughs> there's well, a reason live, for that. We live in hope, and you know what? In a season that's been so so much like a roller coaster uh, across all the leagues. Let's face it: not just the Championship, the Premier League, and maybe it's like this every season. I don't know, but it kind of would be fitting and. Let's face it, it would be the most rovers thing in the world to sneak into the playoffs, get a home match against Luton and somehow mess it up or or mess it up in the final at Wembley. But who knows? As I said, we live in hope. Welcome back to topic number three on tonight's 4,000 Halls What Now podcast. I'm here with Ian, Catherine, Matt and James and I said to them all before the start of tonight's podcast to pick out a special memory from this season at Ewood because the regular league campaign at Ewood has finished for another year. I'm sure many of you were saying goodbye to the 
usual folks sat in and around you uh, yesterday. Sort of see you next season. Are you coming back next season, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll come to you, James. You're uh, you're looking keen down there. Uh, I'll come to you first. What has been your moment of the season at Ewood? Because when I've asked this question to various people, the big obvious moments of the year seem to have come away from Ewood. We're talking West Ham in the Cup on penalties uh, in the, the League Cup and then obviously the, the famous night at Leicester in the FA Cup and of course the quarterfinal against Sheffield United. But there must have been some big moments and some popular moments at uh, at Ewood. James, what's your nomination? Uh, Sheffield United at home. I, I thought, I think that was our best performance at home this season. Um, I thought from minute one to minute 90, we were, we matched Sheffield United um, and we beat them man from, um, so that, that, that's my highlight. Um, I did particularly enjoy Sunderland at home um, when Diaz fired in that wonder goal and then shushed the Sunderland fans. I particularly enjoyed that one. Um, but yeah, Sheffield United one is the one that sticks out for me. Of course, the goal of the season winner, Harry Pickering, yeah. from uh, that game. Yeah, I thought Hyam's goal against Watford was a better choice, but Pickering's goal was equally as good. It's interesting we're talking about, obviously, all the big moments coming away from Ewood with West Ham, Leicester, Sheffield United, but a lot of the goals that were nominated for goal of the season were goals at Ewood. And of course, of course we haven't scored many goals away from home, but uh, did Pickering, I was going to come on to Slater, seeing as you brought it up, Pickering was... That wasn't your goal of the season, James? No, my goal of the season was Tyam's scorpion kick against Watford. Mm-hmm. Um, that was managed for the technique to bring it from behind him and flick it into the net was um, sublime. But Pickering's goal was just as good. The build-up play from it was immaculate from one end to the other and then it's in the net. Um, but yeah, Tyam's for me was goal of the season. Thanks for that, James. Uh, come to you next, Matt. What is your moment of the year at Ewood this season? Well, I think um, it's hard to shy away from that home goal. It was just unbelievable. And it was at a point in the season where I personally was really starting to believe that something special was going to happen this year for us. Um, and and that's, that's what I'm going to choose. I mean, I was thinking about saying Adam Wharton's first goal against Birmingham just because... We'd seen, you know, this young lad who just seems to be superb and he scored and it was all going right for him. Um, and I, yeah, I think I'll go for the high end goal, but the, the, there's a couple up there because I was also thinking about um, a goal that wasn't actually nominated for goal of the season. And I, I was a bit shocked when it wasn't in the top three, but Lewis Travis goal against QPR mm-hmm. back in, in July, I think it yep. was. That I mean, that, again, that was a moment I thought something something special is brewing this season. But yeah, I'll go for the go for the high end goal, which has already been mentioned. Because when when do you ever see a scorpion kick scored? They actually played really well that night against Watford. I think that's one of the performances that because it happened quite early on in the season. I think it was October or September. No, September actually. Um, they played really well that night against Watford. Who at that time were obviously still a team coming down from the Premier League, and they had the front three with uh, Sarge, Al Pedro. Keenan Davis is it the the loney from Aston Villa who had a really good game for Nottingham Forest that he with the year before uh, and I I thought after that game I thought oh, hang on a minute yeah they're not too bad here. they've got a chance here but uh, but yeah certainly that that goal <laughs> I don't remember the first goal from that night I think Dolan scored the first goal but I don't really remember it that well but certainly that uh, scorpion kick will live long in the memory just while we're talking about Hayam Matt I'll just take your opinion on Hayam voted the sort of fans player of the year Do you agree with that. 
I think it's hard not to agree with it. There's not many players who've been a constant really in the side and being and when they have constantly they've performed to to a really high level. And I think you, you take into account everything. One point five million, I think it was, we paid for him. He, he's easily five million plus player. He, you know, he's superb and he, he's worn the armband a few times this season when when Travis isn't there. And in your first season, you, you don't really see things like that and. I think everything's just gone right for him. It's just worked. Every, it's just worked having him and bringing him in. Uh, whether whether it's a five or a four, it doesn't seem to bother him. He, he can do it. He does his job and he knows how to defend. And yeah, I think we got we got him for a steal price as well. And yeah, thoroughly deserved player of the year for me. Excellent. Uh, I agree completely. Yeah, brilliant signing. Uh, Kat, coming to you next, Catherine. Uh, your moment of the season at he would anything particularly stand out good or bad it could be any yeah either way. yeah so my husband who's a long-suffering Oldham athletic fan talks about the chemical change and it's this like change that you have in your body when you're watching your football team either in the run-up to a game or during a game and I had it during Sheffield United at home which was mm-hmm. the 1-0 win and it was it was a warm and fuzzy and I was like we're gonna do it and mm-hmm. it was a combination of that performance the goal, the hope, the you know the 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 feeling that it was that something was happening, um, again only for the bubble to be burst. So for me, that was that was when I kind of felt at my best watching Rovers all season. Mm-hmm. To the point I was like, we're gonna and we're gonna do them next weekend based on this performance as well. Um, and then I had a similar chemical reaction. Um, watching us at home to Burnley, which was a pure chemistry thing again, just kind of, it, I, I, I thought we're going to carry on this, even if we lose, we're going to take this bounce, this performance, this this desire and the fact that we can do something and we can put in a game. And again, same again, but I think for me, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the crowd and say Sheffield United at home. Another game as well where Sammy Smodix hit the bar, if you remember that yeah, one. It's sort yeah, of a really yeah. good effort from uh, from Smodix. But yeah, I think you're right in terms of what we said before. Just coming, coming on to Burnley, Catherine, I'll be interested to get your opinion on in terms of, I've got a lot of Burnley friends and uh, the best way to deal with Burnley fans giving uh, any sort of banter out, I think is just to sort of kill kindness with kindness, if you will, and Agreed. not 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 rise to it. And they're having the time. And, you know, we had our time the previous 20 years and they had 20 years and we've had 20 years and good luck to the next season. I think they'll find it pretty tough and who knows. But uh, there was a real sense of actual pride in that performance, wasn't there, that day mm-hmm. and thinking that we're going up against the best team in the, the division by some some margin do you think it's i saw some stuff online and i think some of our, our very own uh, four thousand holes members here saying that maybe we shouldn't be pleased or we shouldn't be proud at defeats do, do you think there's still as fans we have to sort of reconcile ourselves with that that yeah we're not going to win every week but as long as we get a performance that's good enough or or is that the wrong mentality do you think do you think we should be expecting wins and it's a bit you know dare i say the word soft and too easy it's... to beat rovers it's not good enough if it's a, you put a performance in every week, but you lose every week. I think it was the fact that it was just, we needed something. We'd had those two horror back-to-back results uh, with the, la- the the late goals. And, and it wasn't a particular individual that you would pick out against Burnley. I think, you know, it was everyone, everyone turned up mm-hmm. um, and, 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've very rarely would I put forward a game and say, actually, I really enjoyed that game, even though we lost. I wouldn't because I'm a sore loser. And but, um, it, yeah, and it felt as though, you know, it was a special goal that, that, that won it, even though you could see it happening from the moment that he lost the ball in midfield, that's what was going to happen when everyone was out of position. But, um, no, um, I, I, I don't think I'd be happy with playing and, and, and dropping down the table at all. I think, you know, you you want to you want to win ugly sometimes, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was weird. I woke up the following day and I was like, I'm all right about it because I honestly thought we've shown what we can do and it's there and we'll take it through to the end of the season. And that was kind of my, my false hope that I, I took through that game. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. The season's still one game. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just just uh, in. Um... In fair to you, in fairness to you, Catherine, just come to you with uh, your sort of goal, of the season, player of the season. Any any uh, debate with Hayam or, or Pickering for you? Um, I think Pickering's for me. You Great like goal. goal. Great yeah. goal. And Hayam, player of the year? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't fault it. Couldn't fault it. Agreed. He's, he's put some big performances in. So, yeah, consistent. What you need. Thanks for that, Catherine. Uh, moving on to Ian, your moment of the year at Ewood. Of course, I know you were at Sheffield United away and you were also at Swansea away, I believe. Was that right early in the season? For the yeah, that, that's my highlight of the season because that's that's I think that was Rovers' best performance all the Biggest round. win of the year, that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, to, to have to gone a whole season not scored four goals, I think is a bit... I think that's indicative of how we've struggled this this season scoring goals. Whenever and so I'm, Millwall. So we win for one again on the yeah. last day of the season. Yeah, whenever I've gone to Ewood this season, I think I've been the angel of doom. I've not seen that many good performances, and the Watford one that's been called out already is the one that stood out for me. I'd come back from holiday a couple of days earlier and wasn't due to go back to work until the following week, so I was just like relaxed and very philosophical about life in general. <laughs> so like feeling feeling the benefits of having been on holiday and went to Ewood and we played Watford off the park. I thought this is it. You know, life doesn't get better than this I'll share the observation about the Sheffield United game as well I was up in Newcastle that weekend I was away celebrating my birthday and it was one of those my phone was in my pocket <laughs> just sort of, I'm not taking it out I just not I don't want this to ruin the day I'm just leaving it there going we're, we're gonna have lunch and eventually so like mid-afternoon I thought oh I've got to check and then oh, oh bloody hell Crikey! Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that was the, that was possibly the high point of my optimism for the season because though if we can beat Sheffield United, there's nothing to be fearful of in this division, and we we, mm. we all know how it's panned out since then. But uh, no, most most of the enjoyment, I think the the re- the best performances, as you rightly say, have been away from home, particularly in the cup. I think the Leicester one away was that was a real night because I, I I work with a couple of Leicester City fans who were just. Having you know, little jibes in the lead up to the game, just you know, sort of gentle little prods, and I thought mm-hmm. I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to sit back, and then the day after it was uh, was terrific. And of course, we, you know, we had Tom on the podcast, didn't we? So he was he was very philosophical about how we played that day. But no, no, I'll go with I'll go with the the ones that have already been mentioned. I think Watford at home, Sheffield United at home are probably the two standout performances. And for you, the goal of the season, player of the season, do you agree with the awards that were handed out yesterday? I do like a team goal, I have to say. I think one, one that where you build it up and you, you, know, you end up going from the right back to a marauding left back, pinging one in. I think that that really does stand out. But uh, let's have a nod for uh, Ben Britton Diaz's uh, curler against Sunderland, which I think is, is one of those that gets you out of your seat and makes you think, oh, my word, 
when somebody in, in your your team shirt does something like that, you can feel justifiably proud. I just want to know where that player's been for the last seven games. That's the only thing. Yeah, I, yeah, we've discussed this before. I understand him not being sort of like totally 100% in the room, but it's when we needed him, really, really needed him. Yeah, step up, yeah. Ben. You know your club needs you on Monday. I think, I think... Obviously, I'm trying to think of a good way to sort of finish the podcast this week, and I want to try and remain. <laughs> Shall I play remain. the 1994-5 trophy lift or something like that? Over the I top? try and remain positive, but at the same time, I think maybe now is as good a time as any to to give the the sort of post mortem or the what's the what's the word I'm looking for the um, the obituary perhaps for Ben Brereton and how yet yeah, sort of seemingly for. Three and a half years, he was not very good for sort of half a season and a bit. He was good. And then really been disappointed with him these last few weeks. Really disappointed. I don't like, I'm sure he's a lovely lad. And I'm sure he's got, you know, he's got a child now and he's got his future ahead of him. And I don't begrudge him anything in that sense. And he doesn't owe the fans or owe the club more than what he's already given us. But he's just been such a disappointment this last few weeks i think and it, mm, it's, it's i think it's sad that it's it's ending it's sad it's like come to this, this. yes um because uh, he, he had a torrid time at the beginning didn't there? there were any number of fans on the forums that were willing to drive him anywhere to get him out on loan i, I wasn't particularly expecting much of him when i saw him and when he scored that goal against bolton uh, mm. you sort of, you know, to open up his account, I thought, well, thank goodness for that. At least he's scored. You know, it's, it's not a Chris Brown situation. But I was kept thinking back to Kevin Davis and thought, this guy's going to leave us. He's going to sign for somebody, and he's going to he's going to do a Kevin Davis and sort of like come back to haunt us year in year out. So I'm delighted that he's leaving the country and trying something different because I think it'll be good for him, and you know, it will. I think it might give Rovers. A better chance of signing players and sort of saying, look, we we, yeah, we can develop players, we can bring them on, we can improve them. So let's hope that it has some payback for Rovers in that respect. Uh, I'd rather say I'd rather he go to Villarreal than sign for Everton or Leeds or West Ham or any of those other things. So, so good luck, Ben. Thank you for that terrific season where you <laughs> won a number of Rovers fans enough money to refurb their bathroom or have a foreign <laughs> holiday or change their car. I mean, for, for that alone, you deserve to be uh, up there in the Pantheon. Yeah, alas, I don't think anyone on this panel won money. Catherine, you didn't win any money, did you not, for, off the uh, the Brereton bet? Unfortunately not, but I know a man who did. Oh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, on that bombshell, we'll perhaps leave to this week's episode. We're going to be back, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks to do a full season review. Ian, uh, you've got some sort of big plans coming up for uh, a sort of round table, hour long special full. Yeah, I think we'll do something season. like that to round it up. Um, yeah, we, we did a pre season preview that had opinions from lots of people. I would urge folks to go back and listen to that and listen to the contribution from Jay from the New York City Rovers, who pretty much nailed it, I think. He sort of said, uh, you know, we're going to have some good cup runs and we'll, our form will ebb and flow through, through the season. I think he predicted seventh ultimately. So he might win our pundit, our prediction of the year uh, trophy for the, for this season. But we, we shall see how it pans out on Monday, of course. But yeah, we'll do something. And we've got I've got one in the pipeline, uh, well, one that's already recorded actually, with some Man City fans where we they have a feature called Heaven and Hell. 
and they invite visiting fans to nominate their best, their team's best performance against Man City and their team's worst performance against Man mm-hmm. City. And they do the same then for Blackburn. So you, you're talking about four games. So they've put that out on their Patreon feed, but they've said that we can put it out over the summer. So we, we've got that one coming up as well. And I've got, uh, hopefully I've got um, an interview with um, somebody inside the Rovers hierarchy. Hopefully that will come off. So plenty to look forward to over the summer. We'll keep it ticking over. But yeah, let's hope there's a really, really good end of season review pod that we need to do that covers about two and a half hours and has all sorts of exuberance on it. But somehow, (laughs) I'm not expecting it, but you never know. You never know. I'm just um, scrolling back through my Twitter uh, frantically here because I want to make sure... I get the name right, but uh, I felt one of the special moments of the season at Ewood yesterday was the uh, round of applause on 27 minutes for the uh, young Rovers fan that uh, unfortunately, tragically died, um, Elliot. Applause filling the air at Ewood Park because of some dreadful news in recognition of one of their real loyal fans Elliot Simpson who's passed away recently after an over two year struggle with skin cancer absolutely terrible tragedy and uh, the Blackburn Rovers family offering uh, awesome applause and thanks for his life and in support of his many friends and family a really touching moment here I felt uh, it was real sort of hairs on the back of the neck stuff from the crowd yesterday and credit to the Luton fans as well and uh, Hopefully that uh, brought some comfort to uh, his family and friends. So thanks for joining us this week on the What Now podcast. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, James. And we'll see you all again soon. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Cheerio. Four Thousand Holes. No longer just a fanzine. Now a podcast too. But you know that. You're listening to it. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.